Welcome to Zoom for Thought, a podcast series charting the ways in which lockdown and social distancing has been impacting both teaching and learning and the creative industries, exploring creative solutions to the problems we face and finding common ground. My guest this week is Jake Taylor, Operations Director for Riverside Studios in Hammersmith in London. Riverside Studios have stood since 1933 uh, and have been home to filmings of Doctor Who and rehearsals for the Sex Pistols before they were the Sex Pistols, David Bowie, Amy Winehouse, and has recently featured 31 performances by Eddie Izzard. And I began by asking Jake about the ways in which the venue has managed to adapt to working throughout last year. Well, we're, we're, what was quite good for us, because we're sort of part TV studio, part theatre, part entertainment, part community. Um, we've, we did the, when we did the Eddie Izzard streaming, mm-hmm. it was, um, we're built for that. So every single room at Riverside can join up to ev- ev- any other room. So it's quite simple. You just patch one thing to another. Right. And because our cinema closed, because we had to, we then started doing a, a cleverly curated set of um, films that our programmers had chosen. Um, and so they're available on our website. And because of that, we're, th- we're going to continue that. Right. Because we, we had this discussion yesterday that, yeah, you go to Netflix, but how many times do you go and you look and you flick and you spend basically 25 minutes trying to find a film? <laughs> because you're like, well, do I know? Then you check it up. Whereas we, we're like, we sort of want to be the venue that you go to it and you go to it on a Saturday night to watch a film because you know Riverside's created a good film for you. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to do that online. So you'll go, and instead of going to these big conglomerates to find a film, you'll, you'll look at a film and go, well, I don't know what it's about, but I'm going to watch it because it's been curated by the people at Riverside. So we're, we're continuing with that, and we're going to move that forward, which I think is good because sometimes you want the choice taken away from you. Well, as you say, when on Netflix, you know, you do, you spend 15 to 20 minutes just trying to find something just because there's so much choice. And I suppose if you find that your audience trust you as 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 the venue to have made a, an informed decision that you know your audience will like then it, it means yeah. they don't have to spend 25 minutes hunting for something yeah and they'll be here and miss some of the things you'll go okay and other things you'll go absolutely spot on yeah, so yeah. and i think that's the joy of doing it because someone else is making that choice for you yeah it's the same it's same as netflix or amazon prime sometimes you look at a film and go well i'll give it a go and sometimes <laughs> it's atrocious yeah. And other times it's like a hidden bonus. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you noticed that there's been a, a, an audience and a take up for the films that you've been providing? Uh, no, not really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because so we, we the thing is, we, we opened in October 29, November 2019 um, with a very, been close for five years, brilliant history, close for five years, and then reopened with a big bang. And then the cinema was just getting um, take up. And then obviously COVID happened. Mm. And so a year later, we've stopped, start, stop, start, stop, start. We're trying to get an audience. Mm-hmm. So we're trying everything we can so that when we, we did open a little bit in, de- in December um, and a bit in October, um, but it's, it's a new business with a great history trying to establish itself. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying everything we can. Luckily, we have things like uh, Studio One, which is they're, they're our tenants and they can do filming. So they film throughout lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, they're filming this week in fact today um, so because they have they're, they're good for us because we have crew catering we can supply that so we've got an income 
Um, but no, we, 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 we actually had done some research and um, the online portals watching films, no one's doing really well. Mm. And if people are doing really well, there's 50 people watching a film on a night is doing very good. Mm. So whereas sustainable is a model. If we had 50 people in our cinema every night, we wouldn't make any money. No. But because no, the no. streaming model has such a low outcome, you know, you don't pay up front sort of thing. So any money you get is better than no money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Built, it's building a reputation. It's building a reputation for what you do and letting people know. So yeah, and it's establishing that trust, isn't it? I guess between yeah. between you and, and, and the people, your your audience and so on, so that they they know that you will you are providing something of quality that they can rely on. Yeah. I mean, I've watched some of the films, I'm like this looks a bit strange and I'm like, okay, it's a very well-made film. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, you, 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 I put the trust in my own employer in that sense. And it's like, yeah, okay. Not what I would have chosen at all, yeah. but what a brilliant film. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. And did you say that you, you had crews in filming um, over Christmas and new year, the, the Jules Holland and the top of the pops and so on. Oh, we had that. Yeah, we did. Um, so studio one, um, they do they did the top of the pops in the 70s so mm-hmm. they um and they did the um christmas and new year top of the pops special yeah yeah so over a couple of days i think it was and we have well, obviously we're very covid safe we have covid policies we have temperatures and um everyone is very very strict and everyone wears face coverings inside yeah. um but yeah we had like a lot of crew inside and we what we do is we feed that those crew because we have a, a restaurant Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's interesting trying to feed 70 people inside in a socially distanced way. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. like a, an exam sort of thing. <laughs> in a two meter table eating their food. Yes. Yeah. Very, very strange, but um, it works. No, no one seems to have been there has had COVID. That's brilliant. And presumably yeah. it was quite, quite, a, um, uh, quite a welcome buzz to have activity going on at that time, you know, when everywhere else was sort of struggling to have things in place, you actually had activities happening. Yeah, we had, we, not only did we have acts, we had people, crew, we had, um, you know, trucks turning up. Um, with the whole of January, we had Eddie Izzard every single day. During that, she spoke to people, random people like you or me who could go on Zoom and talk to her for, for, for the whole six and a half, seven hours that she did a marathon. And then at the end of that marathon, it, we had background behind where um, she had what, where she was like UK, Ukraine, Poland, because obviously she can't travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had, my crew were downstairs in a COVID bubble. Um, so they kept to each other and didn't mingle with anyone else. Um, Eddie was in her own bubble with her production manager. And so they never met anyone else, never mingled. Right. Um, and then at the end of the, the marathon, Eddie would do a one-hour show. Um, live streamed because it was an audience of none, well, two technicians. Yeah. Um, and she did that for 31 days and ended up doing 32 marathons. That's my, my I mean, like, I mean, I know you're a, you're a, you know, you're a marathon runner, but I, my, my, my mind can't get my head around doing that many in so short a time. Yeah, she, yeah, it was the last day she did two. Oh. So she did a, mar- did a marathon, rested for a while, started another one, stopped, did the show, came back and finished the, the marathon. I think the last 10 seconds had George Clooney um, egging her on. <laughs> <laughs> Live via Zoom. So, Gosh. I mean, that yeah, is quite... Sorry, because, because she, she did, I think, 840 miles. What we're doing at the moment is 
all of us at Riverside are walking, running, cycling, rowing 840 miles in March to try and raise money for new 30 seats. Right. So I'm doing a marathon tomorrow and I'm doing one on Sunday. <laughs> just, just to get the, the numbers up. So, and loads of people, our creative director, Rachel, she's rowing the marathon. Right. So, um, so it's brilliant. All of us are just basically going out and exercising purely because Eddie did this target and um, we were like, we need to do some fundraising. So we, we thought it's a, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. So to sort of to, to, to match that that target created by somebody else and, and, and a celebrity yeah. at that, because you, you I noticed that you you run into town to get your your um, yeah, my COVID test, your COVID yeah. test don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, how many how many miles is that between where you are in the centre of town? Uh, I think it's, it's about seven and a half um, and I run in, get my test and then run back. So. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's sort of it's nice. It's on the Crab and Winkle Way, so it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and um, and it, does that we, does that count towards your fundraising target? It didn't then because it was January. because oh, we started on the first of March. But it was a uh, it was basically because because we had Eddie in every single day, and I've been going to work every day um, because um, she was in. We all were testing every week because yeah. we we couldn't have anyone going down because obviously there was a very I mean, I wasn't involved with the technical. My, you know, the technical crew did that, but everyone was tested because um, if anything went wrong, we'd, we'd lose the transmission, basically. Yeah. So um, I, I, I still test regularly now, but I'm um, not as regularly. Mm -hmm. So, but we, but every, we do. Everyone does at work. I mean, um, every we have a health declaration form for anyone who comes in. We've had a wall being built downstairs in our toilets, and like all the contractors have, have um, signed a health de declaration form. Mm -hmm. People come in and their temperatures checked. Um, every single. I mean, the film film companies are brilliant. They are they're they're stricter than you can think of. Um, every single person has been tested before they get on site, um, and every time every person who comes in is tested by. Um, a doctor or a trained nurse temperature and everyone has to sign forms it's it's strict but it works because it means yeah. that you've got people working in close proximity with each other and everyone wears a face covering but you know you need to know that everyone's not had covid in the last 48 hours so and i, and I guess it's it's the, the the rigor of the draconian testing uh, and making sure everyone's safe reassures everyone and it's actually worth it if it allows people to carry on with their jobs and so on, you know, because the freelance creative community has been really hit by by the pandemic this past year, hasn't it? Freelancers uh, fall foul of not qualifying for SEISS, but also not getting much, you know, earning enough income. So there's a real, a real um, uh, a gap in that particular sector. Huge. I mean, so everyone I know works in theatre and everyone I know has not got a job. Yeah. Or they're built driving HDVs, they're delivering an Uber. My friend, I spoke to him the other day, and they were literally in between Uber deliveries. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's ridiculous. But the TV and film industry is allowed to carry on because um, they can film and they can. So we're quite lucky that we're known for TV and film anyway. We have Studio One, which is, um, I said, a tenant who's based on our site. So they've been continuously filming and doing things. They're the home of Have I Got News For You? And they're coming back in April, so that's fine. Mm -hmm. And they're very, very good with their COVID policies. Um, but we've done our Studio 2, which is the usual theatre. We've, <clears throat> we did Eddie, and then we can't have theatre audiences, but we are doing from the 11th of June, which is brilliant. But between then and now, we've done some 
um, filming for, can you hear that beeping? Sorry. Oh, yeah, it's your bread maker. <laughs> my bread maker. Very good. Um, we've done some things that we can't talk about where people have been filming things, basically. Yeah, um, sure. It's really good to have them in our building, using our equipment and doing what we do, because that's what Riverside's been built for. It's so coincidental that we've been built for live streaming. Because um, even though you have a, a theatre, what we do is we've got the facilities and the cameras to film it. Mm-hmm. And the whole aim was that was to put it on our platform so we could show it for future generations. Mm-hmm. It just happens that COVID's come along at the wrong time, but the right time, because we're built for live streaming. Yeah. So we're it's 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 not very nice what's COVID's doing, but we've been able to cope because we um we're built for exactly what other people are trying to scramble around doing now. Yeah. So so old theatres are trying to sort out all this live filming and, and, and live streaming. And it's like, that's what we've been built for. So it's been yeah. a bit like Collier Ferguson, where you have the patch panels everywhere. Um, we're like that of the, the extreme steroid version of it. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose, have you, because a lot of, you know, I mean, there's been, a, as you say, everyone's been trying to do the online digital kind of reach and so on and still provide entertainment and, and, and engagement over over lockdown and COVID and so on. And, and and recently I've been noticing that places are actually starting to try and 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 create things that are specifically for the online medium rather than simply saying, well, here's a concert or here's a show that you can't come to live, so we will film it. They're actually turning it into an online experience, drawing on the fact that it is, is designed to be experienced online. Have you have you found sort of similar things or, or, or similar avenues to explore, exploiting the fact that it's online? Yeah, well, we've had people approach us um, saying we are we're doing this. We never intended it to be live. Um, so which is quite good yeah producers are coming to us and saying we want to do things and we don't want to show it live we want right. it to go online uh-huh. so I think everyone's we're a year into this now so everyone's shift everyone has shifted and gone we don't know if we're going to be able to do it live so let's start something from scratch that will never be live yeah and we'll, we'll put it straight into an online medium which I think is a good way to do it because mm. the risk there's no risk. Well, there is risk rehearsing, doing the show, paying for the filming, because that is not cheap. But the, the, there's less risk than doing a 16-week residency that could get cancelled at any minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's um, and a lot of a lot of the good thing is with a lot of the TV stuff is that that's always been done. A lot of it's been done without an audience. But when we do, have I got news for you? The audience is in a separate room, mm-hmm. so we stream it live to a place on our building, which is strange because the, the the presenters are in one room, Studio One, and the audience is in our cinema. Uh-huh. But it's sort of a live experience, because it is live, yeah. but they're in the same building, but in different rooms due to social distancing. Yeah. So, and I think we've offered that to people, and no one's, took, I mean, no one's taken it up yet, but we've said you can have your, your performance in this room and we can stream it to a live audience in this room, socially distant. Uh-huh. So um, it's it's thinking of ways like that. It's thinking of creative ways of doing things that because people need the audience because the audience pays the wages of the actors. Mm. But without an audience or without you know, like without anyone watching what you're doing, how do you make money? Yeah. Um, which is I think I think that's I think it's a way to go, and it's a way. I mean, I think social distancing is going to go anyway. It's, it's, once everyone's been vaccinated, I think we'll, 
just go back to a normal-ish world. Yeah, that's the aspiration, um, I think, isn't it, from September, certainly. Yeah, um, and I think it's fine. But we're when our show that we've got in June, Happy Days, um, we have got 159 socially distanced pairs of seats already on sale, and we've had that ready since December this year. So um, we're on sale. We can people can come, and even if as long as we're allowed to open the theatre, and mm-hmm. um, we have got 159 not pairs, 159 seats of which five are single. And people can go in there and be socially distanced in a legal and safe way. Yeah. So social distancing goes, we can put that up to 200. But if it doesn't, we're still fine and everyone can come and watch a show in a normal, normal situation. And, that's, um, and that must be reassuring for, for venues and promoters and, and, and those involved in it, that they know that whatever the situation may be, they can still go ahead. Because I guess... It's the uncertainty, isn't it? The not knowing if we'll be able to go ahead with live things or whether things may be cancelled or, or policies changed. That's it's the uncertainty that, that the arts sector has really struggled with, not being able to plan ahead and, and put in time to then, you know, do the rehearsals and the productions to get them ready. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing, the, the, the weird ones, like, so the films, I said, the films that we're doing aren't getting a massive audience. That's because we're showing a film on our online portal. But so... Eddie Izzard is coming and we went into lockdown on the 5th of January in Eddie's fifth marathon mm-hmm. and her shows, and we didn't, we, we didn't have any audience ever, but we were expecting an audience of, um, I, I think it was 159 as well, um, maybe a bit less, but we put everything online and we thought, okay, we would aim for this sort of um, amount of people, but actually Eddie's online shows were brilliant and i think i think her last one got a thousand viewers so um so her shows were incredibly successful yeah um because we put them online and as well because it was new for eddie her i I watched most of them but a lot of the first ones was just eddie talking about her life Mm. and it wasn't really a show and there wasn't really anything and it was really it was like a conversation with eddie yeah, um, and if you're an Eddie Izzard fan, which I am, and a lot of people are, you were getting your own personal show because she was talking to three cameras. Yeah, and so it became more of a a really personal experience, slightly more um, intimate, it, I guess. Hundred percent. It was um, it was literally um, her talking to the camera, and so it was um, it was definitely wasn't um, you know someone with a mic just talking. No, um, and I think that's it. I think that's why we got such a big audience so it was really successful we, we spoke about it yesterday it was like you know we we came out not losing any money which is good for yeah. losing your audience um so the the streaming model does work and we proved that um but i think everyone would always i think it'd be good to do both yes so but but it's the the thing with that is it's because there are a lot of people who aren't going to come to theater a lot of people are going to go i'm not going even if they're vaccinated and if you can give them exactly the same um, experience with the three cameras lose a bit of audience seating so you can go to see eddie if you want or you can go and watch the show that eddie's putting on Mm. in the comfort of your own home Yes, because you the digital reach means you can also it improves the accessibility for you know people as you say who are reluctant or infirm or ill who who've got childcare issues or something you know that that means that they can't actually physically get to the theatre space. Suddenly you're improving their access to it because they can then do it more readily from where they are. 
yeah, and there's no public transport, there's no parking. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you literally can just log on. We we did a 24 hour window, so when you buy a ticket, it's a ticket, and you can watch 24 hours of the live stream at any one point. But there's mm-hmm. only one show at seven, <laughs> so you can watch it at six, but there's nothing on there. Um, <laughs> but that's a really good model for us because it meant there's less less hassle you basically buy a 24-hour pass so whether you watch it on the 1st of january or the 31st of january your 24 hours is valid right so um which meant you weren't buying the 7th of january 7 p.m show you were just buying a pass to watch whenever you wanted and yeah. as soon as it's a bit like when you watch a film on amazon prime i think you watch it and you can watch it for 48 hours can't you that's right yeah, so if yeah. It's a really good film you can watch it twice but i mean you never do <laughs> No, that's right. But I think it's it's interesting that, that, that the way that she presented her stuff online from what you were saying, the talking to the cameras actually made a, a success out of being forced into finding a new way of delivering it online. Yeah, because when, when we first went ahead, we, we, we were like, is this going to go ahead? We'd worked out we could, we could do the, the treadmill um eddie was in a bubble with production manager so we worked out that was possible um but we were like is she going to do the show because there's no and as a comedian doing a show to no one yeah i know i remember one of the technicians chris was laughing in the background and eddie mentioned it it's like because he's not used to anyone laughing because there's no one there yeah um um, but eddie was like yep gonna go ahead do it and she did and it worked so it was yeah it was I think it might have been a creation of the moment because it, we went straight into lockdown and people were like, oh, again. Mm. And so people logged on. Um, but yeah, no, it was a success. And it was, it was, it was, I mean, there are some comedians like who I don't think would do that. I, I think they need the audience's reaction. Yes. Like, uh, you know, um, whereas I don't know, I don't know if some people who, those people who talk to the audience a lot, Eddie is always known for showing them just talking, talking. Some comedians need that bounce back, don't they? Yes, it's it's. I mean, stand up comedy, I think, must particularly have found it hard to to engage when there isn't that electricity generated by feeding back from the audience. And it's a bit like you know, live music. You know, you pace things and and, and according to the audience's reaction, and you can get a sense of how well it's coming across. And when there's nobody there, and you're just just channeling all your energy into a camera lens that just sucks everything from you and gives nothing in return, it must be a real struggle. So it's it's interesting that there's a uh, a workable creative solution that, that that she's found to that yeah and i mean imagine you know imagine a queen concert without an audience yeah <laughs> just they they play with the audience so much don't don't they so it's like i think it's more like a studio session i yeah. mean music, music's been decimated by this because we've all we can all go online now go onto youtube and watch any band we want live um so anything they put on anything they do isn't you're not going to watch it or pay for it you're not going to do an online concert from glastonbury are you because you it's it's this it's you're not there it's not the atmosphere the whole point of live music whether it's classical or whether it's pop or rock is to feel that that bass or to feel the 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 atmosphere of the the crowd you know yes play is different because you can read a play and then you can watch a play and you still get that visceral feel, but you can watch a play. That's the national stuff that you watch is beautiful online. Yes. Um, um, but watching a band online is just 
I, I shouldn't say it, but it's just not the same. It's a very flat experience, isn't it? I mean, I watched yeah. National Theatre at home. I watched the two versions of um, uh, Frankenstein. I think it was the two um, yeah. one moment uh, each night. It swapped between either Benedict Cumberbatch or um, uh, 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 oh, the other celeb. Yeah, I, I yeah, I can't remember. Really, Anyway, but um, but yes, I mean you're right because it, it really worked online because it was it, I suppose it's because the play doesn't rely on the audience reaction in the same way yeah. as as live music does. Live music is about the dialogue with the audience, and and yeah. theatre is is about creating the the kind of emotional space in which the audience is is immersed. Whereas music is much more about the you know think stadium rock experience. It's as you know the sort of the call and response and the the musicians you know hiking the the atmosphere up and so on and the audience responding. So it's yeah it's, it's different for theatre, and I think music has. Music has similarly adapted to try and find ways to, you know, present things online, but it's it's never the same as as having the audience in the same room with you. Yeah, well, I think I think the two differences are so when you go to watch a theatre play, you're watching it in a box anyway. Say you've got a cross arch, you're actually watching it in a sort of screen. Yeah. And you watch the director's interpretation of the text. So you're going there for what the directors and the actors interpret for a text. When you go to I remember going watching the band Air in um, Liverpool and I, I love it they're brilliant and they're, their albums are amazing you listen to them it's great I went to watch them in Liverpool and was like really disappointed because it was just two blokes playing the same music through big speakers with warm Foster's beer um, and it, <laughs> it wasn't the same as listening to it in the CD where the quality was amazing yeah um, and so and the atmosphere was there but actually I mean Air's music is quite personal anyway it's electronic and it's I, I found watching a dj it's just watching a dj you can yeah. you, i'd rather listen to the better quality album than watch the dj whereas yeah going seeing a band live and watching the guitarist do his thing and the feel the drummer and feel the sub bass that's that's why you go to a music gig you yeah. know you, you you go or you go to you know you go to hear the strings you, you go to hear the reverb you you know you you listen to things and you feel you actually literally feel it and you're watching you listen you i think with a play you're watching it and hearing the words whereas with a music performance you're feeling it as well as seeing it yeah and it close your eyes because i remember the opening of collie ferguson when everyone did um is it carmina barana and, and I, I opened the windows of the tech box and went wow you know <laughs> you yeah. can't get that you can't get that on telly can you no 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 that's right and i think it's it's to do with with not only the 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 way the musicians are performing live but also the reaction of the audience around you there's nothing quite like it's a bit like you know going to live sport or something being yeah. knowing that, that that you are part of the kind of shared community experiencing that live moment and and that live moment is is very transitory isn't it it doesn't appear again so you were there for it and nobody yeah. else will have that experience and the, the sort of watching stuff online takes away that magic because you know that you can get the same rather flat experience whenever you watch it again and again yeah and they've, they've tried we've done um i think it's either apple tv or disney have done the, the family chair where you watch it the same time and with someone and if you pause it it pauses for them oh um, right like a watch party a, or something yeah 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 and you can have a little um chat box and stuff but it sort of detracts from the film because yeah. you you know um so I, I think the future of cinema is going to be interesting because people have just got, I mean, 
you go to a cinema and now the difference is you know you pay money for popcorn and you go for the experience but people have now got used to sitting at home and paying the same money for sitting in their own home so um it's going to be hard to get the audiences back i think which is why i think what we're doing which is curating particular films um not the blockbusters mm -hmm. that hopefully people will come for the experience because we've got a cafe bar if people are allowed to sit and eat and you're coming here for i've gone to riverside to see a film but the film is on the peripheral it's yeah. the thing at the end of the evening so you go there you have a an ambience of a, a meal because you like the food because you like the atmosphere you might see some friends or people that you know then you just happen to watch a film yeah um i think that's i think that's what venues are gonna have to do because if you're just a just a view cinema or you know you go in pay your money watch a film you can do that at home for a lot cheaper yeah you know, I think I think you need to, I think all venues, which is luckily because most theatres have a cafe bar, have a bar, and most theatres are pretty good at, good ambience. Um, mm -hmm. So I think theatres have got it made and theatres that have a cinema have got it made because you need that extra now, I think. I think people aren't going to pay 20 quid for two tickets in a cinema that's just a bare, barren place. They want... They want something. They want a. They want some atmosphere, don't they? They want a reason to. I did it in. Um, we lived in Deal, and we went to watch um, Skyfall, and the cinema was amazing because we went. We queued. We queued outside the cinema um, right. and watched this film, this really old um, auditorium, and we watched a James Bond film. And I still remember that day, uh -huh. and it was beautiful to watch it. It was just because we walked past and went, what's this queue? Oh, we're watching the James Bond film. Oh, okay, cool. Let's watch the James Bond, you know, and yeah. you could get a pint. <laughs> it was like really cool. Yeah. Um, whereas I think if you're just a square box and you go in and you watch a film, I think, I think those moments, I think Cineworld, which are shut, I think, I think mm. they're going to find it really hard for people to come in because what do they offer? It's a difference. I, I think you're right. It's a difference between providing an event and providing an experience, you know, from the moment they step in, as you say, you know, the cafe or the cafe bar or having a meal and the and then, you know, it builds towards that cultural moment of watching a concert or a film or a play. And then they leave afterwards. It, it's it's the whole experience that they've gone through rather than just they've gone to an event. I think you, th yeah. that's exactly you're right. That's what venues are going to have to to capitalize on in order to make themselves attractive. Yeah, I think as well. I mean, so theatre, cinema. When you finish, when you leave the theatre, what? It, how nice is it to just then go into a cafe bar or a restaurant and have a meal if you can, or have a pint, and mm -hmm. or have a coffee and talk about what you've just seen yeah. with other people Reflect and just feel the buzz. Yeah, you'll hear someone behind you go, "Oh wow!" and they hit that note. That was beautiful. And you're like, you're part. Of, you are part of that thing. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's what. I mean, I know that's what's going to happen as soon as lockdown ends. I think we're going to be very successful because people are just gagging for an experience again. Someone said to me, what's the first thing you're going to do when, when it ends? And I was like, I'm going to go for a pint. And yeah. I, <laughs> I don't really like pubs. I don't really like going to the pub, but I am definitely going to go to a pub and sit and look at the sea and go, wow. Just, yeah. yeah just for, just to remind yourself of, of, of that experience uh, yeah. and the, the social aspect of it. And it's, it's that thing of, of going back to things that, that, that were denied you, you know, I wasn't allowed to do that. So even though it's not something I would look to do necessarily, I'm going to do it simply because I am now able to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, it, it, what is weird, we find, I think, I think with the films is, so we're, we're aiming to open on the 17th of May and it's only, it's up to the distributors what they distribute. So we're, 
in a way shackled by what they offer and mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a massive back catalogue which is brilliant for us because we like the those films that are not mainstream but um me and my wife said it was quite funny said if they'd have put a one-off 24-hour christmas day boxing day no time to die james bond for 25 quid would have paid for it right? Right. and i think most people in the uk would have because it's like see the James Bond film for 25 quid it will never be available again online until two or three years but because they keep putting it back and putting it back and putting it back yeah they're obviously losing revenue and we just think the public was desperate to watch that film and that's why Cineworld shut I think because um, it wasn't being released and they were like we're not, never going to get an audience because yeah. um, Tenet was the big one so Tenet opened mm-hmm. and that was, that was good but then there was nothing else after it so the problem with the problem with it is, are people going to come out to watch Ghostbusters? You know, because because the distributors they 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 need to have a catalogue like like normal times when you just constantly constantly blockbusters happening all the time. Mm-hmm. I think if the content's not there, how do you get an audience? You know, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I used to always know what film was coming up. I mean, working in theatre and cinema, you always know those sort of things. And now I actually don't know October. Yeah. James Bond. That's I think all we've got really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 those cultural aspirations that that you know we we need to have those to look forward to to have them in our diaries or the calendar and and, yeah, and wait for festivals. You know, yeah. if you think I think I know Glyndebourne's happening, which is good. That's one of the good things. But Glastonbury isn't. Mm. So it's I think I think the roadmap that was um, announced changed everything. Everyone went from right we don't know we have no idea what's going to happen to oh okay we can open on the 17th of may we can we can we can buy a pint outside on the the 12th of april yeah you know uh, we might be might be able to actually do normal things on the 21st of june so you know whatever you think of the government or what they've done actually the roadmap was brilliant because it's changed the whole attitude of britain i think i think we all are now literally going please come the 21st of June. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Th- there's an end in sight, isn't there? It's been uh, since that was announced that it's it's you can feel morale slightly relaxing, can't you? People are thinking, oh, yeah. there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. We can begin to plan for things because you can't you can't say, right, lockdown will lift next week and suddenly there's a whole theatrical stage production just waiting to happen, isn't it? These things need time to to be put together. So I think finally there's a sense we can actually start looking ahead. Yeah, it means it means producers can actually produce because no one's going to put money behind something when they never know it's, when it's going to be done. Whereas now, I mean, basically, we're looking at September is going to be normal. So it means someone can start thinking and investing now in shows that they can start producing now, mm-hmm. doing all the background things and then, you know, casting, rehearsing show because we are going to go back to normal. And um i heard i read something recently um it was um you know we have flu every winter and we we expect twenty thousand people a year to die mm-hmm. um and this poll that they do every winter to um ascertain what strain of the virus is and they change the vaccine so they did this poll of six hundred and forty five thousand people and they, they so they test them and they test them and they find the, the flu strain and then they change the virus the vaccine um there was no flu no one had flu Really? 640,000 people. And so the I can't remember where it was. It might have been the independent, but they, they said, we've accepted that 20,000 people will die every year. Do we have to accept that now? 
Yeah. Because there is no, there was, this is from, this is from last week, I think it was, and the 1st of January, no cases of flu. So, all right, we can't be in lockdown forever, obviously, but should we socially distance and wear masks from February, January, February, March to save 20,000 people? I don't mind. I go to, I, I have an hour and 25 minute journey on the train every day with a mask on. Don't uh-huh. even notice it. At work, I go into work with a mask on. Um, we're we're going to be wearing normal. it all. It's, a to, I, it's totally normal. And you, everyone, everyone respects each other. It's what I think's changed in COVID times is um, you see the people not wearing a face covering and you don't, you, you've been told in your head that you should wear one, but you don't think they're a bad person because I mean, I get it all the time on the train. He always says, wear a mask unless you're medically exempt. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn and you hear it in the shops. There are some people who can't wear a mask. And so I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you think you should be wearing a mask. Well, actually, what if they can't? It makes them anxious. It doesn't. And I think we've become more tolerant. Yes. Um, a lot of, because you see people who look like, I don't know. They're not very pleasant people. They're wearing a mask. I automatically like them. It's, it's really yeah. weird. You know, you, you thank people for wearing a mask. Um, and it's, I think society in England has, has changed. And I think we've become more tolerant mm. of differences because the whole thing now is if you're wearing a mask, you're a good person. If you're not wearing a mask, you're probably a good person. And you have a medical reason not to. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah. I think it really changed things. Um, I said every day I go on the train and every day, I mean, the train drivers do the announcements and they say, wear a mask. And then sometimes you get, thank you everyone for being hundred percent compliant on this train. And you're like, makes you feel really nice and warm. <laughs> you know, people there are actually looking out for you and you're looking out for them. So it's, it, I think it is a bit of a bonding experience. And it's, it's the same when you go to work and you see all the crews come in and you see them being tested by the doctors. And you see them putting their mask on and going to work. It's like the, the level of respect has gone higher because everyone is res- everyone's respecting each other by wearing the mask. Mm. So um, regardless of its use and whether it's effective or not, it's the fact that you've been told to do it, so you do it. Um, but the level of compliance, you, you can see how it's all 1984 and Orwellian sort of thing. But actually, there's a there's science behind it, and mm-hmm. it seems to be working. So. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's changed everyone for the for the for the, we all believe in science a bit more now, and I think we've all got a little bit more respect for people. My thanks to Jake Taylor, operations director for Riverside Studios in London, talking to me there from his home in Whitstable. Until we zoom again.